Hello, and welcome to Handheld Zero, the show where we discuss the highs and lows of handheld gaming. My name is Nate, or Conception2, and we have a great show for you today. I apologize if I'm a little bit groggy looking or groggy sounding if you're listening to the podcast version. We were coming off a night where I streamed every game I know how to speedrun back to back to back. A little sleepy from that still, so we're recovering from that a little bit. But we had a great time. Feel free to come on by if you're interested in seeing some uh, other content aside from my podcast. That would be at twitch.tv slash conception2. That is conception with a K. But first, let's get started with our show. If you haven't already, feel free to listen to our episode zero audio slash live stream where we give a general sense and idea of the show from conception. So we talk about what the thoughts were behind the show and what the goals end up being. So if you want to hear where we started, go ahead and listen to the episode zero. But let's talk about what we're doing this week. This week, we are discussing Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse, which is a game for the Sega Game Gear. Sega Game Gear. So why are we playing this game? few different reasons. One, I've never played a Sega Game Gear. I've never played anything on a Sega Game Gear. And this is going to be a spicy take. I've never played anything Sega, period. I've never played a Genesis, a Dreamcast, a Master System, the Game Gear, like I mentioned, anything. I've never played a Sega system in my life. So I wanted to branch out and try some new things for once. I'm also a really big Disney fan. We're very big Disney fans in this house. So I wanted to jump in with something that was a little bit familiar to me and see if it did the franchises I know and love justice. And finally, when I was doing research for what game I wanted to do on the Sega Game Gear, because I knew I wanted to do something with this sort of niche handheld system, I wanted to find a game that was really good and really well known for it. And there are a few, obviously, that are a little bit more well known, but I wanted to give this game a shot because it was highly reviewed, appeared on a lot of best games of the Game Gear lists, and something that I was familiar with and could get excited about just on the summary of it. So I wanted to kind of jump in and see if we liked it. All right, our next segment is called Natopedia. We're going to go over the story summary, the gameplay, the history behind the game, and see where we end up. Let's start with the story. That's always a great place to start. So the concept is simple. Minnie Mouse, who is the love interest of the titular Mickey Mouse, if you didn't know, has been kidnapped by an evil witch named Miserable, or Miserable, see what they did there, who seems to be kind of like this 50-50 split between Maleficent and the evil queen from Snow White in terms of appearance and, and how she acts. Uh, Miserable takes refuge within the Castle of Illusion, which is this big castle with several doorways to different mystical worlds. Her goal is to steal Minnie's youth for herself, classic old school queen behavior. Upon arriving at the base of the castle at the start of the game, Mickey has a conversation with an old man who, when I researched the story, apparently is the true owner and king of the castle. But that is never really communicated to me. And why didn't he help out with what happens in the story? Like, this is your castle. You're just going to let somebody take over it? Anyway, he informs Mickey that the castle is pretty well guarded. The tower that Miserable is standing in is protected. And the only way that Mickey is going to be able to get to it is to collect the seven gems of the rainbow. They are small circular gem type rocks, different colors of the rainbow. Pretty easy to understand. 
which are hidden in various doorways of the castle. So Mickey has to travel through five different illusion-based lands, and they each have their own distinct enemies, appearance, boss fights, and things like that. Mickey walks through the enchanted forest and deals with, at the end, a large oak tree, slash it turns into like a, a cyclone when it fights. I think it's just meant to be representative of the wind, but it kind of turns into like a twister. He then plays through Toyland and defeats a dreaded jack-in-the-box at the end, makes a pit stop in Dessert Land and fights a giant chocolate bar, absolutely reads the book boss in the school, and cleans the clock in the clock tower. With all of these gems in hand after defeating bosses and collecting them through the levels, Mickey finally makes his way to the castle proper. He then traverses the floors of the castle to find Miserbell, and he is stopped directly in his tracks right before the end by a dragon that he has to defeat. Very Maleficent-like. After making quick work of that fool, Mickey takes on Miserbell, defeats her, and Minnie and Mickey live happily ever after. Or do they? Yeah, they probably do. The game uh, was published and developed by Sega, obviously licensed by Disney. The game was released in North America for the Game Gear in June 1991. I make a special emphasis on the Game Gear because this is a game that is probably a little bit more famously up for consoles. In 2013, they made a remake of this game that is in like 2.5D, 3D action with a lot more updated graphics and things, though it does change the game a little bit. Let's talk a bit about the gameplay, right? This is a side-scrolling platformer, so think Mario-like. It's very simple. Get to the end of the level, defeat the boss, get the gem, move on to the next level. There's five levels, like I mentioned. Defeating each boss will give you one of those gems of the rainbow. However, if you remember me saying, there's only five levels. So there's actually two levels that have a boss at the end that gives you gem, and there is a gem hidden in the level in order to get seven. Along the way, obviously, besides the bosses, there are several smaller enemies as well. They're themed to the level you're in, which was kind of, this was a treat for me because I really liked the, the aesthetic of the different levels. For example, in the forest level, which is the first level, there are flowers that, you know, shoot projectiles at you. In Toyland, there are toy soldiers walking around. There are donuts in Dessert Land. They're kind of just bouncing there. In the school level, there's a little actual letter A, like you're learning to write your letters. A letter A in there, that's going to mess you up. Uh, gears in the clock tower, ghosts in the castle, things like that. Very thematic. Uh, when you defeat the said enemies, you're doing so by jumping over them. But it's not as simple as Mario, where you jump on them and they're defeated. You have to jump and then slam on them. Or you can, there are opportunities for you to pick up small projectiles like balls or blocks, things in the overworld that you can then pick up and throw at an enemy in order to defeat it as well. Barrels as well is another good example. The mechanics are simple. You move, you jump, you pick up, you slam. That's it. Very simple. I, I appreciated that. For somebody who's not good at platformers, it made it very accessible for me. So I appreciated that. Let's talk a little bit about collectibles here as well. So there are a few things to collect in the game. You will see treasure chests pop up quite a bit. And the treasure chests can contain uh, various amounts of things. Obviously, they can contain health for you, which appears as cakes or slices of cake in order to heal you for uh, one or multiple stars as what your health bar is. Uh, there's also... Various sizes of coins that increase your score, uh, similar to most old school platformers. You are trying to get to the end, but there's also a score that increases based on how fast you do it and how much you collect and how many enemies you defeat, things like that. And then you can also find extra lives, obviously. These appear as little Mickey ear symbols that you can pick up. They're actually referred to in this game as tries, I believe, instead of lives. So that's fun. 
There are also two levels in the game, as mentioned before, that contain extra gems to collect to get to the seven. But there are also two stars that you can get that increase your health. So we start off with three stars, which is three, you know, three hits basically to your health. And then there are two more stars that you can pick that increase your health to four and five before you lose a life. Boss fights. Now, these were some of my favorite things in this game. Each boss fight is like a tiny little puzzle where you have to figure out how to deal damage. It obviously starts pretty easy with the tree where you just have to kind of slam on it when he's not throwing stuff at you. And then it progresses little bit by little bit. You then can see that you have to solve these little puzzles in order to defeat them. Pretty simple. Mostly what you do is you wait for their face to appear because a lot of them they have faces that are sometimes like hidden away when they're doing their attack animation. And when their face comes back out, that is when you're going to be able to do damage to it in some fashion, either by throwing a projectile, by jumping and slamming, you know, whatever it, you need to do to get the job done. Though there are very few mechanics, each boss fight feels unique and different. So though mostly what we're doing is jumping and slamming or throwing things, which you would think would get kind of boring after a time. Each boss fight does a good job of making it individually unique. So it's not just as simple as, hey, let's jump up top and then jump on the head. Boom, done. Let's do that, you know, for six different bosses. Each boss fight makes that a little bit challenging for us. All right, time for buffs and nerfs. What works in this game for me and what doesn't work for this game for me? Let's start with the buffs. Always like to start with the positive. This is a platformer that I could sink my teeth into because it's easy enough for a child to complete. That's a buff for me. That might be a negative for a lot of people because they want more of a challenge, but this was perfect. This was a platformer that was easy enough for me to dive into, to get familiar with, and then by the time I got towards the end of the game, I was getting challenged a little bit, but in a good way, you know, things that make me want to progress further. I also think that's a good thing as well for back in the day, children grabbing these games, right? I can't fathom being a child that grew up with Super Mario Brothers and being able to beat it because it was just so difficult. As an adult, I struggled with that game, but I can envision people who pick up this game as children were probably able to beat it for a multitude of reasons, but mainly because it's easy to pick up and then grows challenging bit by bit. Uh, the platforming scales and difficulty with the levels to create a satisfying challenge. It's kind of what I referred to before. It starts easy and then just gets progressively harder bit by bit by bit. And it's easy to digest. Uh, the level designs are very aesthetically pleasing, cleverly themed. There's a lot of beautiful colors in here. It makes really good use of themes that really cater to children. Like I mentioned before, obviously the Enchanted Forest, that's just classic Disney stuff. But there's a dessert land. What kind of kid doesn't love chocolate? There's a school land. Kids go to school. And then when it gets into the more serious, quote unquote, parts of the game, we get into like the clock tower and the castle and things start to feel a little bit spooky and things like that. But I really enjoyed the, the level design of all of the levels. Obviously, there is a straightforward path that gets you from point A to the boss as fast as possible. But there's also lots of little nook and crannies with little treasure chests or these collectibles that you can use to increase your health, whatever the case may be. I liked exploring all the levels and finding these little nooks and crannies because it wasn't overly difficult for me to do so. So I appreciated that. The boss fights were really interesting and they were unique from one another and they were cool looking. I just really liked the bosses in this level. The game's mechanics are somewhat simple, so being able to defeat these bosses in different ways by using the same two buttons mainly 
made it really interesting for me and motivated me to continue. Lastly, the soundtrack. It's bopping. I like the music in this game. I think this combined with some music that I've heard from the console versions, I'd, I'd listen to it on my own. It's really cool. Nerfs. What doesn't work for me as much? Well, there's a few things. One, the length of the game. This game is real short, like super short. Like as in somebody who has challenges with 2D platforms sat and beat this game in an hour, I think. It was it's really really quick. I mentioned before there's only 5 levels plus the the castle level with the boss. So 6 levels really. It doesn't take too much for you to to get by. And I only mainly struggle with the last two-ish. So it, it's really, really short. That could be a good thing if you want to just pick up something and go. But if you're looking for an experience that's going to even entertain you for a few hours, like five or six hours, this isn't the game. The combat, as I've kind of alluded to, or the mechanics in the game, are very simplistic. And it makes the game feel a bit too easy and repetitive at times. Again, I'm not as concerned with the easy part because I like when I'm able to finish games, so I'm not going to complain that much. But when it comes to the platforming elements in the game, it can feel a little bit repetitive because it's just the same stuff. There's not a lot added in the overworld that makes it complex level to level. Most of the challenges that occur, occur with the different types of enemies and occur with the bosses. But the platforming elements don't change too much. They change a little, but not too much. There is a lack of save points in between levels, which makes getting a game over a bit stressful. I, I did game over once, I think, after the second or third level, and then I just became real careful from that point forward. I collected every life that I could. I took everything as slow as I could because I knew if I gamed over, I would have to start from the beginning of the game. So that was a little bit stressful for me. I'm always a proponent of let me save in between levels at least. If you're not going to let me save mid-level, which luckily this game did have checkpoints mid-level. So if you died, you're not starting at the beginning of the level if you have crossed one of those checkpoints. But let me save in between levels. I really don't need to play level one a billion times in order for me to finish level six. Now it's time for the segment, how many carts? Let's talk about our final impressions of the game and give the game a review score out of five cartridges. Think handheld games, your old Game Boy games have these cartridges, think that. Final impressions of the game. So Castle of Illusion is really cute, it's really fun, it's an easy platformer to digest, and it didn't leave me tearing my hair out because of the difficulty, which I will always appreciate and I will stand by that when it comes to these retro games. The game was simple enough, but it did have some challenging platforming elements as well. There's also some interesting yet challenging boss fights, which I really appreciated. But on the reverse side of that, the game does feel a little bit lacking at points as the game is exceptionally short and the mechanics are limited to what you can do with these two buttons mainly. The game could benefit from a power-up or equipment system that would lead to more unique platforming segments, more unique boss fights, uh, bigger and tougher overworld enemies as well. So I think if they incorporated a feature into this game, it would lengthen it and make it a little bit more challenging and, and satisfying for the average player. Nevertheless, I have a brand new interest in this Illusion series as there are, I believe, four games in this series. And it did make me want to go and play through the different games in the series. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see me talking about any other games in this series in the future on this podcast. But for our final score, we're gonna give this game three and a half cartridges out of five. Three and a half out of five. And just like that, we're already over to the ending part of our show. Game over, continue. 
The next episode, which is going to be roughly two weeks from now, we're going to be diving into, for one of the first times in my life, the PlayStation Portable. And there's a lot of games that I considered playing for my first PSP game for the show. But I ultimately went with a game that I wasn't familiar with on any level, but I've always been told is really, really cool both thematically and both fun to play. So we're going to be diving into something completely different than what we've talked about before, which is a game called Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories. So we're gonna be playing some portable Grand Theft Auto. Everyone has told me how good Vice City was back in the day. I've never played Vice City. I've played a lot of GTA games. Vice City wasn't one of them. Obviously Vice City Stories here is a prequel to Vice City. So I'm excited to not only dive into the PlayStation Portable and investigate that a little bit but also investigate uh, a story and landscape that i've been told i would appreciate uh, but i've not had a chance to play so i'm excited for that don't forget to follow me on twitter at conception underscore two that is conception with a k and don't forget on twitter that is an underscore in between conception and two you can also follow me on twitch which is what i said at the top of the show twitch.tv slash conception two again with a k but no underscore there feel free to follow me on there or subscribe as well as that money goes directly to me as well as a creator so i would really appreciate if you wouldn't mind supporting me there you could also follow me on youtube and subscribe you could just search nate porteous that is n-a-t-e space p-o-r-t-e-o-u-s and you'll find a lot of my speedrunning content on there, as well as the video form of this podcast. So if you're somebody who wants to see the unedited, unpost-produced version of the show, feel free to look at the VOD on Twitter, or it will also be uploaded to YouTube. However, if you are somebody who ingests the content via podcast, I really appreciate it. If you wouldn't mind subscribing to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on, if you haven't already. And if you don't mind hopping over to Apple Podcasts and please rate the show five stars, leave a review as well. I would love to read those on air. Last week, I got to read some really great reviews to you, and uh, that made me feel really good. So I appreciate you doing that. It also helps us get the podcast off the ground a little bit and helps promote it in an easier fashion. So even if you're listening to the podcast on Spotify or Stitcher or Podbean or Google Podcasts or anything, if you wouldn't mind hopping over to Apple Podcasts, just leave that quick five-star review and we'll get the show rolling further and further week after week. I just want to say thank you folks so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with Grand Theft Auto Vice City Story. But until then, have fun, keep gaming, and we'll see you next time.